0: So welcome back, Dr. Slovis. Um, so we're going to cover our, this will be our second installment on uh, Lothonia, uh with Dr. Nathan Slovis, who is the Director of um, of Medicine at Hagerty, my medical center. Um, so let's jump right back in, uh, Nathan. Thanks for joining us again.
1: You're welcome. My pleasure.
0: Okay. So um, so we had left off with some of the individual risk factors, and we went through um, some of the background on Lausonia. So now we're going to talk about um, some of this some of the uh, prevalence of, of Lesonia in the United States. Um, do you know how prevalent lesonia infection is in the United States and, and whether there are particular re- regions that are uh, higher risk?
1: You know, I, I can't say too much on the entire United States, but in our area in, in the Midwest, central Kentucky, you know, when um, Dr. Page was doing a study for his Ph.D., uh, he was seeing anywhere from 15 to 100 percent, you know, of the farms could have animals that were exposed. It doesn't mean they're sick, it means they had titers. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty significant. And yeah. he couldn't find a difference between one farm and the other, why one farm had it heavy and the other didn't, you know. Um, so that, that's what you had. And just cause you have a titer, doesn't mean your animal's going to get sick. Just because you have a high titer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as I said, doesn't mean they're going to get sick. That could be protective. Okay, know, gotcha.
0: they, you know. um, now, exposure to Lusonia is more prevalent on breeding farms, obviously, because we're looking at younger animals. Um, do you feel there there could be co-infections uh, present with uh, with horses infected with lesonia, like GI parasites or other viruses?
1: Yeah, it's an excellent question.
0: Um, we were wondering that at one time. We were
1: wondering if some, sometimes these animals, because when they would come on in, they would have high parasite counts. And then we started wondering, is Lawsonia attached to like the roundworm eggs or, or was there more, you know, was there a mechanical vector involved? And we just couldn't find that. But we have seen that with the parasites. But then again, you know, there's resistance with parasites. Some of these farms weren't deworming per veterinarian protocols. So I can't put two, or two together. Well, what I can say is that the animals that do get Lawsonia, it is not uncommon for them to get a secondary infection, uh, a bacterial pneumonia, because their immune system goes down, because they lose all their a lot of their antibodies. Not all their antibodies, but they're secreting proteins in their feces or losing protein or lose antibody. So well, it's not uncommon for them to get peritonitis, get pneumonia, get nephritis, uh, get uh, Clostridium difficile, salmonella, uh, you know, and we looked at those other infections, but I would say they come to the hospital setting quite ill. I would say at least 50% of them have a secondary infection.
0: Okay. And is that, um, how does Rhodococcus uh, play into that? Like, is it, that would be part of that, that co infection thing, or is it? Yeah, no,
1: no. I, I usually suppose they're too old in our area in central Kentucky they're yeah. four to nine months of age. And uh, so we don't see a secondary infection with Rhodococcus. I would say that's very rare. Uh, I don't call any.
0: Is there any evidence that Rotooccus infection as a younger animal would be protective against Lothonia? Uh
1: I can't say I've seen it. It's a great question. It'd be interesting to know that. But uh, subjectively, of the farms that we've dealt with, uh, usually the farm managers keep excellent computerized records, and they they usually bring that information up to me. But okay. not that I know of.
0: Okay. Um, All right, and then we can kind of jump into hyperimmune serum um, and pass, so like that that's given in um, rhodococcus infections and passively acquired um, antibodies that have been shown not to prevent the development of EPE on the farm. Has that been your clinical experience, or have you found that hyperimmune serum has been helpful?
1: No, we we tend not to use that. So I, I haven't used enough to say if it's helpful or not helpful, um, but it, it, it's not something we just grasp onto um, because a lot of these animals that we, um, you, you know, we tend not to give the, pla- uh, the hyperimmunized immunized uh, plasma as a preventative. We, we go with more of the vaccine.
0: Okay. Um, so what can you tell us about the vaccine?
1: What I can tell
0: you is that, uh, again, we did
1: research here. You see we do a lot of collaboration. That's one good thing about our... The Haggerty College Medical Institute. We can do a lot of collaboration with a variety of universities. So one of our old fellows um, ended up going to UC Davis, and she ended up doing a study with Nicola Persula and brought it here to try to look at the vaccine and see if it could be efficacious. So that was part of the study we did here with on endemic and non-endemic farms. And what the vaccine is, it's a modified live, lyophilized vaccine made by Beringer Ingelheim Vet Medica called enterosol, Mm -hmm. iliitis. It's used for cattle. Oh, excuse me. It's used for uh, pigs. And what we do is very important when you get this. It's a 100-ml vial, but it's called a 50-dose vial. They do make a 100-dose vial. So if you get a 100-dose vial, you just use a smaller amount. Mm -hmm. But but. From uh, Nicola Priscilla's uh, research and what can mount a good immune response is actually getting a rectum. Because your whole idea is an intracellular bacterium. You want to get a cellular immunity. What's the better way than getting a rectum and getting a cellular immunity? So we'll do that. We usually do it, we start about a month before the known first case, clinical case, has occurred on that farm. So if it occurs in September, we start in, in August. And then 30 days later, we give another booster per rectum. Mm-hmm. And I I like to use a nasal applicator uh, tip like we use for intranasal vaccines. Okay. And the one I like to use, this is me personally because they're soft, because I've had some people go per rectum and they use these um, urinary catheters, small, oh, yeah. and, and sometimes they <laughs> can scrape the mucosa. and We've had some perirectal abscesses, probably mm-hmm. uh, one every other year. And, okay. you know, we, we do hundreds of foals, so it's not that often, but it's enough you need to just raise your eyebrow on and just be careful. Um, okay. It's safe. It's, effic- it's efficacy. Efficacy seems to be excellent because I've done it on farms now. Oh, boy. I would say since 2009. When before 2009, they would, they would be, they've they lost million-dollar foals. They used to have three or four foals come to the clinic each year, and now since they've been doing it since 2009, they've had zero cases. And that's pretty good for now we're going on, uh, this is the seventh year, and zero cases. So I think on that farm and other farms, now other farms have been doing it for longer, so that's good.
0: Um, Okay, and then the last question that I had for you is yearlings who have been diagnosed with um, proliferative enteropathy have been shown to bring lower uh, prices at yearling sales. Has this been your clinical experience, and do you see other lasting effects of the disease in affected horses?
1: No, uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, Dr. Frazier, one of our uh, internal medicine specialists here, looked into that. Yeah. She actually published a paper on that. And you're absolutely right. At the sales, they, they sell for less. But she did another study looking at race performance, and they race just as well as their uh, peers. So okay. well, that's good. It just seems to be the lag, you know, because they get it when they're, uh, you know, early on in life. Malabsorption problems, and just didn't seem they can catch on up. Now, our naked eye may not be able to pick it on up, but apparently the guys that buy the horses can see a difference. Right. But once they race, we've had some excellent race horses that have had lossonia.
0: Okay. All right, that's excellent. Is there any kind of long term? So you said there's not really a lot of lasting effects, but is there? So after they clear the clinical infection, they seem to they just catch up with their peers, and they don't really look back from it. Is that kind of what you experience?
1: Correct. Absolutely
0: excellent, okay, well, thank you so much for joining us
1: good well excellent i i'm, I'm glad I was able to help on out.